Welcome. We hope you enjoy this recording from Christ City Church, based in Dublin, Ireland. For more podcasts and information on the church, please visit ChristCityChurch.ie. Thank you for listening. All right, so the reading is Amos 5, verses 18 to 27. Woe to you who long for the day of the Lord. Why do you long for the day of the Lord? That day will be darkness, not light. It will be as though a man fled from a lion only to meet a bear, as though he entered his house and rested his hand only on the wall, only to have a snake bite him. Will not the day of the Lord be darkness, not light? Pitch dark without a ray of brightness. I hate, I despise your religious festivals. Your assemblies are a stench to me. Even though you bring me burnt offerings and grain offerings, I will not accept them. Though you bring choice fellowship offerings, I will have no regard for them. Away with the noise of your songs. I will not listen to the music of your harps, but let justice roll on like a river. Righteousness like a never-failing stream. Did you bring me sacrifices and offerings 40 years in the wilderness, people of Israel? You have lifted up the shrine of your king, the pedestal of your idols, the star of your God, which you have made for yourselves. Therefore, I will send you into exile beyond Damascus, says the Lord, whose name is God Almighty. And I'll pray for Katie before she speaks. Lord, we thank you just for the privilege of hearing this truth, God. We thank you that you've handpicked these verses for us today, Lord. And we just thank you what a privilege it is to have Katie in the church, Lord, and just all the gifts that you've given her, um, including the gift of teaching, Lord. And we pray that you just give her courage and comfort today as she speaks, that what's important to you would be made important to us through her, Lord. And I just pray that the message today would be uh, just infused by you, Lord, that your spirit would be in the message and that it would be a blessing to us as a congregation. In your name, amen. Hi, guys. Uh, My name is Katie, if you haven't met me before. Um, And hello to online people as well. Hope everyone's doing well today. Um, So I have graduated as a history student from Trinity. Thanks. And um, I've been coming to CCC for about four years now. As a past history student, I have somewhat of an interest in world history, European history, Asian history. But let's take a recent example of modern British history that we'll all be familiar with. The Harry and Meghan interview with Oprah Winfrey in March of this year, when the royal couple released bombshell after bombshell of issues of race, mental health and broken relationships that were hidden from behind the palace doors. Everything appeared good in front of the public eye, yet it came to be revealed that there was simply empty tradition that was being followed. As a student of history, it's my role to be curious into the agendas and motivations of these dynamics. What is real? What is a facade? Do the ends of wealth and prosperity justify the means of empty behaviours that follow tradition but lack in sincerity and consideration of others? Well, what we do know 
is this, that in Israel, in the book of Amos, sincerity was missing and relationship was absent. Israel appeared to be doing all the right things from the outset, but there is a fundamental lack of justice and righteousness. Selfish ambition allowed a trap of injustice. Today, here now, we need to prepare our hearts to learn from this passage about God's heart so we can avoid this trap of empty religion and focus on the importance of relationship with our God. So before we get into our points, let's look at the story so far. We've got King Jeroboam. He took rule in 785 BC. The Israelites lived under him in a bubble of injustice and evil. They levied a straw tax on the poor, sold the innocent for slavery and crushed the needy. As Steve showed us last week, the Israelites chose to serve idols and comfort. They had God and gods and lavished themselves in their stone mansions with lush vineyards. As chapter 5 continues, we see to an even greater extent the brokenness of the Israelites. They believed their religious practices of offerings and festivals were good. They believed it brought them gain and earned them salvation, that the ends of wealth justified the means of neglecting the poor. But here God tells Amos to warn them once more. And the verses reveal to us where they've got it wrong and how to go right. We see the emphasis on true worship, our first point, and true relationship, our second point. So we're going to look at how the passage shows us what God values and then how we can apply these values to our lives today. If you look with me at verses 18 to 24, we see that God values true worship, number one. Look at verse 19 with me. We are given the imagery of a man entering his house and resting his hand on a wall only to be bitten by a snake. The place where the man believed to be safest, his own home, betrayed him. Amos shows us the Israelites' false sense of security in their acts of religion, when in fact it was their religion that was going to come back and bite them. The Israelites' neglect of the vulnerable and poor revealed the values that lay at the core of their heart personal prosperity and ambition. It wasn't true worship. It was empty religion. Empty religion has consequences and God's justice was surely going to respond to this. Verse 20. God tells them that there will be no light on the day of the Lord for the Israelites. The only gain from their worship will be darkness, pitch, black, darkness. They neglected relationship with God. They've neglected relationship with the lower class of people of the city, sticking only to the comfort of their religious circles. They believed they were safe from the day of judgment and their offerings were enough, but their real worship actually lay in their affluence. 
And God had sent Amos to tell them that the consequences are real and transformation is needed. Otherwise, as in verse 27, they would be exiled beyond Damascus. I wonder if you think going to church on a Sunday is enough. Is that true worship? Do you think that you're safe? Look at verses 21 to 23. We see God give the Israelites a wake-up call. God's disgust towards the religious festivals and assemblies is so poignant. Notice the language. I hate, I despise, stench, I will not accept, I have no regard, I will not listen. I think God makes his view of their worship crystal clear. This isn't true worship. God says, don't sing to me if you're imposing heavy taxes to keep the poor poor. Don't give me the noise of your music and play the harps if you're not willing to give an innocent a voice in the courts. God despises this empty religion. The Israelites have got it wrong. They've missed the point of true worship. Well, what is the point of true worship? If all these acts of religion are wrong, what is right? What is true worship? Do you see the answer in the passage, verse 24? But let justice roll on like a river and righteousness like a never failing stream. This is what God values. Look with me at verses 25 to 27. God values true relationship. I think I just skipped out a little bit. That's okay, we're just going to go back. That's okay, we're not going that far. Okay, we're here. Okay, brilliant. This is what God values. <laughs> Let justice roll on like a river and righteousness like a never-failing stream. The whole book of Amos is rich in these themes of justice and righteousness. But what do they actually mean? And what does it look like to worship in this way? If we go back to the original Hebrew of the words, we can take justice to mean taking concrete actions to correct injustice and care for victims of injustice. And we can take righteousness to mean living in fair and generous relationships with others despite social differences. For example, it's one thing to write letters to your TDs about the unaffordable housing schemes, a concrete action, justice. And another thing to offer someone your house to live in while they search for somewhere else. Generous living, righteousness. Here's another example. It's one thing to protest sex trafficking, a concrete action justice. And it's another to volunteer with a charity that invests time into the people abused. Fair and generous relationship despite differences. Righteousness. There's a need for both. Israel was doing neither. So how can we make sure that we don't end up like Israel at risk of falling into the trap of false religion that is void of true worship? Now I look with me at verses 25 to 27. God values true relationship, point two. God condemned the Israelites. 
relationship with other idols and their adoration of false gods and shrines. They were void of proper relationship with God. The religion that they'd got caught up in blinded their view of their only relationship that would ever fulfill and consequently blinded them from the value of justice and righteousness. God is using Amos to reach out to the Israelites to alert them to their sin. God knew that idols would undoubtedly fail the people and he wanted to save them from that. God wanted the Israelites back. God desired a relationship with his chosen people and wanted to show them their error so they could turn back to him. He values true relationship. At the end of verse 26, Amos says that the religious acts, they were for yourselves. Their worship was to build and prosper themselves. The Israelites had misplaced their trust and hope and placed it in materialism, instant satisfaction, instant satisfaction and glamour. They were selfish. They cared only about themselves, how to keep the rich rich. They didn't care about God and they didn't care about victims of injustice or caring for generous relationships. But this passage does show us that God wanted them back. Yeah, that this path, that God did want them back. God values true relationship, and through a true relationship with God, we become shaped by Him, and then we care. Without this root, we only offer empty religion, and we live for ourselves. Our hearts become conditioned by our own desires, not God's. True relationship with God is shown through the evidence of loving others. That's what Israel had wrong. Their evidence of lip service and going through the motions reveals their neglect of God and by extension, neglect of the poor and needy. So the question that we are left with is this. How can we find true relationship with Jesus, with God. Jesus. <laughs> Through the better Amos that would come 800 years later. Like Israel, while we were dead in our sins, God made a way for us to come into relationship with him. And it is through his son, Jesus. Ephesians 2, verses 4 and 5 describe it brilliantly but because of his great love for us God who is rich in mercy made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in transgressions it is by grace that you have been saved God made a way if we choose to enter into this true relationship with Jesus and spend time in prayer and devotion we become more like him our hearts align His desires become our desires and we care about generous and fair relationship with others because we value relationship with Jesus and therefore we value true worship, which is righteousness and justice, caring for the marginalized of society and being concerned for the poor. 
We love because he first loved us. Our worship shifts from an emptiness to a fullness because our motivations are not of our own, but of God's. When asked by a Pharisee, which is the greatest commandment in the law? Jesus replied, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the great commandment. And second, you should love your neighbor as you love yourself. This is true worship. This is the value of true relationship with God. So, what does your worship stem from? Who do you love first? We need to learn from the mistakes of the Israelites and listen to this warning of idolatry. We need to consider what we are letting shape us and harming how we worship. For myself, it's the opinion of other people. Am I funny enough, entertaining enough, am I cool enough? I allow that to mold my motivations and my actions. It's for myself, not for God, and certainly not for other people. I wonder what could be your idol as you sit here today. Maybe it's that you're seen as the perfect Christian on a Sunday, but you don't care about your colleagues during the week. Maybe it's making the most money, being the parent that everyone knows at school, being the saviour of a situation. Maybe you idolise comfort and glamour. Maybe you idolise scandal, gossip, and the excitement that comes with it. What do we let condition us that is not in line with the heart of God? Where do we seek comfort instead of allowing ourselves to be disadvantaged for the disadvantaged? Because we're not seeking true relationship with God. How can we learn to live lives of true worship? Through valuing our relationship with Christ Jesus, our God and Saviour, knowing the sacrifices he made for us in the scriptures, spending time in his presence. Our worship will then be more than just a tick box exercise, but it will reveal the evidence of caring about injustice about actively reforming the institutions that keep the poor, poor, responding at a local level to radically love the needy, vulnerable and innocent. Not because you're trying to change the world, but because you care about God's people, because you understand more about what God values, and that's why you care. This challenges me to think, well, where do I think I'm too safe Where is God trying to give me a wake-up call? Where do I need to allow God to transform my heart and work on my relationship with him and allow myself to overflow with justice and righteousness? I know personally, over the past few years, the one thing that caught me out in worship was reading my Bible every day. In fact, it was the desire to read my Bible that wasn't even there. I would come to church to serve on visuals and not have read my Bible that week. I wasn't seeking relationship with God. My serving was only empty religion and my heart didn't care. I valued going 
to a nightclub two or three times a week and then being too tired to read the word of God the next morning. My heart wasn't shaped. And as a further result, I didn't care enough about displaying radical love to the vulnerable of the church family. I cared only about myself. But my empty religion, my hypocrisy, my selfish heart, it was corrected by Jesus. And here's how he did it. He led me towards getting involved in a life group that helped me understand the true desires of my heart. And he put a good group of Christian friends around me where, we, where I witnessed daily Bible reading being modeled every day. Nothing of me, everything of God. So, what does an overflow of true relationship look like? Through relationship with Jesus, we begin to want to care. Our worship becomes full, not empty. And this passage in Amos offers a challenge to the corporate church today. How can we, because of true relationship, consider how to actively fight for justice by counteracting the institutions that keep the poor poor? Is it to gather in your city groups and write emails to your TD or local brands, philanthropists and world leaders about the homeless crisis, poverty, the environment, slavery, domestic abuse, the list could go on. Or is it to use your life group to explore government petitions that could change legislation and sign them together? And what about righteousness? The generous and right and fair living regardless of any social difference. Amos offers us a personal challenge. Where do I let religion trump relationships? in my personal worship? Where am I religious, but not living a life of justice? Have I ever sang a worship song, but been gossiping 15 minutes before church about the person I'm sitting beside? Have I given my tithe to church that month, but not paid for my work colleague's coffee because I want to make sure I have enough for myself the next day? Does the face of my Sunday self when I come to serve and worship match the face of my Saturday night and Monday morning? Do justice and righteousness pour out from every breath, thought, word and action? I don't know about you, but I know that I've fallen into the practices of the selfish, religiously pious Israelites. But thank the Lord that I have Jesus. Thank the Lord that God knows that as a human race, we are hopeless at offering true worship and desiring true relationship. Thank the Lord he wanted the Israelites back. He wants me back. He wants you back. He sent his son to die on a cross so we could have a right relationship with him. And through this relationship, see God's heart for justice and righteousness clearer so that our hearts and relationships can be shaped and we can love God 
first and then love our neighbor radically and abundantly and care about taking steps towards fighting injustice. Thank the Lord that no matter how many times we get it wrong and practice religion over relationship, that it is our God who will forever change the history books on the final day of judgment because he will allow justice to flow like a river and righteousness like a never-failing stream. I'd like to invite Leanne and Will up um, to get ready for our worship and let us pray. Yeah, Heavenly Father, um, we just give thanks for who you are, God, and for this message in Amos. Um, we thank you that you rescued us, God, that you wanted us back. Father, we confess that we are prone to going towards religion rather than relationship. We seek fulfillment elsewhere rather than in you, God, and we're sorry for that. But thank you that you sent Jesus for us, God. Thank you that you made a way for us to have a right relationship. Thank you that Jesus exampled how to truly worship. Challenge us, Father, to love you first today. To only idolize you. And then we will overflow with justice and righteousness. Father, reveal to us where we can love people well, but love you first. Thank you, Jesus, in your precious name. Amen. Amen.